0: Welcome to Photo Geek Weekly, episode 146, recorded on May 6th of 2021. Uh, The Photo Geekery Show, as you know, if you've been listening to this already. And I am your host, Don Komarechka. We've got some great stories lined up, and I have one of my very favorite co-hosts. In fact, he is the man pushing the buttons behind the scenes to make this episode live right now if you are watching it live if not well it will be on YouTube as well after the fact um, because there will be an interesting opening for this episode but I welcome as my guest host uh, Steve Brazel to the show Steve how are you doing today
1: I'm doing fantastic my friend thank you as always for having me Uh, I love doing these live I really really do
0: I, I do as well, and and this one is so uh, potent to do live. You know, there something arrived today, and uh, it is a box, and in that box is copies of my upcoming book, Macro Photography: The Universe at Our Feet, and it's not just any copies. This is some limited edition copies. I was hoping for a mix in in, in the box of different types, um, but the other regular edition is coming tomorrow, it, so it doesn't. Count for this. This is the one that I've never seen before, and this is going to be a lot of fun to dig into this. Uh, and I start shipping things out hopefully on Monday when the big shipment on a big. It's freight so truck exciting! Fills my I am garage. so
1: happy for you that because this has been with the pandemic and family and everything else. You know, this book project has been a project to say the least. And you took the time and you went deeper and you went wider in what you were covering. And I've seen some. PDF previews of it. And I am, uh, and by the way, I ordered one as well. Uh, I didn't order the leather one cause I'm stupid. I should have, but, uh, <laughs> so again, great. I'm anxious for the book. And mainly I'm just, when you posted the other day, you were ready to have champagne. I was so happy for you.
0: It was wonderful. You know, I had gotten some photos from the press, uh, the, the printer, um, things had, like, they were actively, uh, being bound, and so like there's two stages, of course, it's got to go through the, the press system and then you just have these big stacks of paper on skids or pallets um, and then it gets bound into the final book. And I actually have a video that the uh, that my contact there had shot. It's it's a vertical video. It's a little shaky, but I do want to share that at some point as well. Not during the podcast. I'll make a, a list for the backers or a, a posting for the backers that includes that. Um, once I have something in hand and I can do a, a personal thank you and include that in there as well. It's really cool. The machines, how they, uh, chop oh, yeah. and align and it's just, it's in- industrial magic, uh, behind the scenes, but Wait, we get to industrial see light
1: and magic. No, different company,
0: <laughs> not quite the same thing. Uh, but uh, but here we have a, a box. Uh, before I open this up, though, Steve, it's been a while since I've had you on the podcast. Um, what has been going on with you in that, uh, that interim period? Usually you're on almost every other episode, and people love it that you're on. I got to have you back on with that regularity in the future. But uh, how has the last month treated you?
1: You know, I would argue I'm probably on more than people want to hear, but that's a completely different story. <laughs> uh, everything is great, man. I'm just, you know, the, the pandemic has not been unusual for me because I I live here I work here my normal job I do from this same room so for me it has not been you know hugely different what I what I've been doing uh, but I'm doing a lot of podcasting I was uh, just had a recording episode with our mutual friend aunt Pruitt That's going to air at the end of May, and just today, I've been really excited for this one because I started talking to Scott Kelby back in December, picking a shot, and trying to find a time in his schedule, and we finally got it recorded, and the Scott Kelby episode of Behind the Shot, my podcast, I should mention, uh, that came out today, and I had a blast with Scott, I had a blast with Ant, so that's just pretty much what I've been doing. And, you know, the critique show we just did live.
0: Yeah, a lot of the same people are here, trouble. by the way. Uh, yeah, and thank you for everybody in the chat. Uh, Gary Monroe is here and says, um, just came for the grand opening, hoping it's not a box of bricks. Well, Gary, I hope so too. Uh, I don't know what's inside this thing. It's heavy. so Well, uh, and what's interesting is Carl
1: said that their internet connection is uh, terrible. So the stream has stalled. I'm hoping it's still working for everybody. Uh, but the chat is still working. So that's good. You can at least chat.
0: Yeah. There it is, and uh, and Gary uh, gives some advice to Carl. Thank you for that, and David, thanks for being here as well. Even though you've got to run off for dinner, um, let's not let's not delay this. Uh, let's. I'm, I'm going to shift my camera angle down a little bit. I might I might cut off my face a bit, but that's okay. I have here in this box. Uh, I've covered the shipping label so you don't get my address, but uh, that's fine. And I have a fancy knife. This is actually a knife used for grafting trees. I just it's the closest <clears throat> thing I could find so i get to open up this box and this is going to be really painful for those listening to the audio version but um you know what we should do though what should we do steve
1: don't actually open the lid yet after you get it after you get it cut yeah just just leave it ready to open after you get it cut all right well
0: it's 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 ready all right here we go ready Um, oh, this is unexpected. Um, you don't wait a minute. Wait a minute. You don't actually you were serious. You don't actually know what's in here. I I was told this was the limited special edition. And in fact, that's what it says on the side of the box. Special edition. It is interesting. not interesting. Um, it is. It's the regular edition in this box. So I had no oh, idea look at that that was gonna be there I was I was misinformed that is the regular edition of the book that everybody uh, that has pre-ordered a copy that's my book you're holding probably yeah I, I can make this one yours Steve if you want <laughs> get my fingerprints all over the pages um yeah I mean my camera's a little bit hot on the on the one page there but I, I assure you there's text on it Um, and the paper quality is thick. I'm not seeing any bleed through, uh, of, uh, like a very, very small amount. Like you can kind of see like the paper is so thick that a very dark image on one side is not going to show up, uh, on the other page. Uh, and that's one of the things you pay extra for in terms of, uh, you know, the paper thickness and quality therein. And, uh, Gary actually said wonders what the first sniff would be like. Oh, it smells like new book, Gary. Um, It totally, yep, yeah, totally new book smell. Uh, And uh, you know, like images like this. I mean, it might not be coming through perfectly through a webcam and what have you, but there, the multitude of colors in this uh, in this two page spread is really hard to calibrate to, and they did a great job uh, at figuring that out, Um, and just the balance of everything. No, I'm I'm absolutely totally thrilled with this. This is my very very first look at the proper printed edition of my book, and so you can grab that uh, if you haven't wow. already. You can grab that at uh, SkyCrystals.ca. Um, now, is it all just the? I mean, look look at how thick this thing is, Steve. This is yeah. this is this book is massive. <laughs> uh,
1: well, Terrell said, "Intoxicating new book smell." <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure exactly what those chemicals are. Just and like that Stewart new said, car smell. Awesome. It does. You're look smelling awesome. chemicals. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm. L- uh, I'm so excited. So is this is this all uh, the same edition? Uh, I am unsure. Let's let's dig through here. So now we're going deep yep. into the book. No, no. That 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 is. The box. It's all. Uh, all of them are the same first edition, uh, or the regular edition of the book, which was unexpected. Uh, and actually uh, let's see, let's see how the footprint aligns again. Sorry for the audio people. This is annoying. This is my first book and that I'm holding up sky crystals, which is out of print. And, uh, I tried they're from different presses. I tried to get the dimensions to be identical so that they would sit next to each other nicely on a shelf. And, uh, Rosas Gonzalez said,
1: "Sniffing." <laughs>
0: yeah. There you go. They 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 make perfect uh, alignment. Top. Oh, nice. And bottom, uh, and you can see how how much thicker the new book I didn't is. Know. So I have is... the Sky Crystals
1: poster back
0: here that you sent me. Uh, I yeah, didn't know uh, it was the a Smith book. Poster. Yeah, I'm yeah. I, my my first book was. Uh, I can move the camera back up here. Uh, the the first book was uh, was produced in 2013, and uh, and that was quite the adventure to produce because the entire first run of that book needed to be scrapped. Um, it needed to be reprinted from scratch because the press screwed it up. And I don't want to call out the press that did it right now. Cause I'm in such a good mood for the press yes, that did do, this one. Uh, I, I want, I, but I won't. Um, the press that did this book uh, by the way is Friesen's out of Manitoba. And uh, from my initial uh, just kind of flip through of this publication, Uh, I am beyond words happy. I am just so thrilled that it turned out great. And I'm actually shocked that it's the regular edition because they mislabeled the box. That might mean that I don't get any uh, early copies of the limited edition, which might come on, uh, on Monday. That's when the whole shipment is arriving. And if anybody's curious, they can both still be ordered. Um, the, uh, the production run was overrun by a little bit for, um, for both the, uh, the editions, So I have extra copies, uh, even still. And, uh, and I want to thank you from the bottom Where can of they my go to, heart, where
1: can they go to get the order? Say it again.
0: Okay. Skycrystals.ca. You might want to put up the lower third that has that, uh, uh, that in there as one of the URLs, but skycrystals.ca is where you can order the book. That's why the URL is kind of confusing because- well, this book isn't titled that, but my first book was, uh, and so the limited edition has an extra 16 page encore chapter to it, which I was really hoping to see today, but ah, uh, oh well, uh, I'm going to see them soon enough and, uh, and we are, uh, we're good to go. Uh, now I can test well, my packaging and And I will tell you, there's a lot of else, people so.
1: in the chat right now that are waiting on this book and everybody is super happy about it. Myself included. And, uh, Ivan said, it's beautiful. Can't wait to receive mine. Gary said, does this mean since you got a box that's labeled special edition and it's not, that people are going to get swapped? Obviously not, because you're- I wish, Gary.
0: I wish. Hey, you can always upgrade. You can send me a a note and I'll I'll send you a a discount code or something. But I'm like a day or so away from locking down the addresses completely without changing anything, uh, just because I've got to go through this logistical marathon now. Right. So- Well, Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much, Steve. And I can't wait to get some of these books out into the mail. Um, Actually, uh, this is a a PSA to anybody doing anything creative. Um, You know, as photographers, we talk about registering your copyrights. That does not just apply to photographs. That also applies to books. So now that I have it in hand as a physical item, I will be registering the copyright of the book uh, with the US Copyright Office. And I believe I can do the same thing in Canada. In fact, I have to send one to uh, our, our national archives uh, as a part of them giving me the ISBN to produce the book. So uh, just make sure that you register the copyrights to everything that you care about, especially uh, you know something as yeah. precious as a book. And yeah, you've got to send copies of it uh, it, like physical copies of it, uh, not just the digital uh, uploads that you would normally have to for a photograph. But in this case, I think that's uh, that, that's well worth it. Well, there, like I say,
1: there's a lot of people in here saying, can't. like Mike just said, can't wait to be told. Mine's on the way. Jane is in here, was in the last live stream we did, really looking forward to mine. So yeah, this is, congratulations. I know from talking to you behind the scenes, what a process this has been. And uh, I'm just super happy for you. Thank you, Steve. Talk for another
0: 30 seconds while I get this book off my lap.
1: <clears throat> okay, I can do that. Uh, Gary said, looks great. Digital edition was good, but like prints, can't wait to hold the real thing. Totally agree. Uh, and to everybody, keep in mind skycrystals.ca. You can head up there, find the links, download everything that you need or you know, order everything that you need. And uh, again, the poster, let me throw this up because you can kind of see it back other side that poster it's hard to see it's kind of dark here but that poster is the sky crystals snowflake poster that don
0: sent me and that, that uh, took uh, steve that that poster print by the way that took 2500 hours across five years to create um exactly and and there is a book sky <laughs> crystal so if you want the collection you can get both Unfortunately, the actual physical uh, copy of Sky Crystals is out of print. <clears throat> I should have printed more copies, and I'm really hoping that I can get more of them in the future. So uh, everything but I said is wrong. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you can get the ebook version of it, and the prints are still available. Absolutely, you're totally right on that. But this right. is this is a bit of a long preamble. I do want to get into uh, the actual uh, stories that we have for the day. Let's do it. Uh, for the episode. So, story number one kind of comes in two parts, and. Uh, sometimes I'll just kind of put a related story at the end, but I do want to tackle them both simultaneously here. And story number one uh, via Petapixel is Netflix's uh, Love is Blind show uh, wants unpaid photographer for five weddings. In comparison, before we get into too many details of this particular story, the Days in Hotel is offering a $10,000 payday and a, and free travel within the U S to a talented photographer. And I believe that they said somewhere in the article that it was for two weeks, um, That's two weeks. And, and when we get to that, I've got something to point out about that two weeks. Sure. Um, but there is such a, uh, I, I guess what, what would the word, the word be Steve? I, I'm at a loss for words. Uh, an exploitation of photographers for certain things, people wanting to, you know, oh, can you work for free? We'll give you good exposure. Uh, yeah. You know, c- can you work for free? We'll, we'll put in a good word and maybe this will lead to paid work. Uh, or, oh, this is going to put you at the top of your game. You're going to get in on the ground floor. Whatever words people want to mince in order to get a photographer to work for free. And that's what Netflix is doing. Um, and it bothers me immensely. I mean, as as a photographer, as a professional, uh, that makes a living from the work that I do, whether it's selling books or whether it's just shooting product photography, I don't do weddings, so I can't really relate to that, uh, to an extreme amount, but I don't know of any wedding photographer that, Oh, you get to be on a Netflix show. So you're going to work for free would actually say yes to this. Uh, what are your thoughts from that angle? Oh, I have so many.
1: So first of all, we, we should stress the odds are that Netflix as a company does not know about this. This is a company known as Kinetic Content that is doing Love is Blind. It was a producer for Kinetic Content that reached out to a photographer for this. And for those that don't know Love is Blind, first of all, a stupid premise of a show. Uh, The concept is, is love blind. It's 30 men and women. They meet for the first time in a speed dating like format, except here's the key. They don't even get to actually see each other until the guy's ready to propose. And then they do these weddings. It got 1.5 million views in the first five episodes and dropped down to 800 and something
0: thousand. But it's like having a bad movie that's really well hyped opening yeah. day is fantastic. And then it just drops off. Tonight. And then it tanks.
1: Uh, the kinetic producer, Natalie contacted a photographer by the name of Megan Saul about being a wedding photographer. And here's what they said, cause this is key. And again, uh, yeah, this yeah. is a production company. Netflix may not know this, but read it verbatim. I mean, this is okay. important. <clears throat> yeah. It's for the end of this is just classic. So you would attend the weddings and take photos. We are doing all of the weddings at the same location. It would be five weddings in total. You would need to be available June 6 to 10. Times are to be determined as of right now. This would be an unpaid opportunity, but your photos would be used for promos in Us Weekly, people, etc. In other words, what they're saying here is it's not only unpaid. But we're going to, they're thinking they're saying to her, but you're going to get exposure. But what they're really saying is it's not only unpaid, but we're going to use your pictures to promote a show we're going to make lots of money off of, and you're not going to get paid.
0: Yeah. And did you see and, her response? Yes. Uh, but, but, but I also wanted to, uh, to reiterate sort of a, another point in there is that um, not only is the photographer not being paid and not being properly used here? There's a missed opportunity where the photographer could be part of the show. They could be on screen (coughs) talent and they could get even paid for that. And, you know, even if you're not, um, being on screen talent on a show that's viewed by millions and getting your name out there with a lower third and maybe your website and you actually having your personality, in front of people, um, that would have some level of value. But if it's just your photographs, and I've always been, I've always been this way uh, about imagery not surviving the same way uh, as music or cinema in that if your images are completely used out of context with you and your personality and you are your brand, um, then there's no connection back to you. Nobody's going to read a byline and find a name and and find a connection there. You are your brand. And if your personality cannot shine through the work that you're presenting in this way, it is of absolutely no value whatsoever. Um, So Steve, um, what's the response? Okay,
1: so first of all, to Megan Saul, fantastic. I love the fact, first of all, that you stuck by your guns because there is going to be somebody willing to do this thinking this is fantastic. But the way they laid the, the response out, so I'm, I'm going to do this again as you know, a quote, as it were. Yep. What goes into, and this was not her response to them. This is something that they posted on a Facebook post. What goes into my work is not just my time. My artistic eye or my ability to capture moments, uh, they wouldn't be paying me for. To give you a highlight, now listen to this list here, okay? Because this is absolutely the,
0: the, the gear list and everything else. And oh, the it's team the, and my yeah. camera
1: gear thirty five thousand plus any rentals I may need. My team bare minimum five hundred a day. This is one people don't think about, but you're going on a pay, you're going on a shoot. Insurance two thousand dollars a year, but likely would need additional cover coverage for something like this. My attorney. Because someone is gonna need to look over the contracts, my editing time, my computer, my gas every day, food. And gosh, I'm sure I can think of plenty more expenses that go into what I do. Yes. And there's a point where she says something in this article, where they quote her in this article. And I wanna I I wrote it down in all caps in my notes. Know your worth.
0: Yes. Uh, and I can't stress that enough. I mean, I, I get contacted by people all the time that want to use my work and there's no mention in the email, uh, or, or the, the missive about, uh, payment. And so I, I hit back with, okay, um, it's going to cost this, that, or, and, and judging your worth is a really difficult thing to do. It is, uh, but it ain't, uh, but it ain't this. No, I, the, the thing is, uh, I. I I don't want to say I I overprice myself, but for things that I don't really want to do, I'm more than happy to put a higher price tag on it because it's just not of interest to me. Uh, And if they still bite, well, okay, the the, higher payment is because I'm not going to enjoy the work. Uh, And I I think that a lot of photographers need to figure out exactly where they fall in, in a worth category, which... I can't give you the answer to that question. You can read opinions from a dozen different photographers and maybe get a start as to where you would place yourself, um, but you have to come to that decision on your own. That brings us to that other story, the days in. Well, before
1: you go into the other story, uh,
0: there's a couple of really good comments here. First of all, Terry
1: said, yeah, I'll respect you in the morning. Exactly. (laughs) Arctic
0: Penguin says, I work for a brewery and people are always trying to get free kegs of beer for exposure. Hey, Arctic Penguin, if you want to give me the name of that brewery, I will shout it out on this podcast if I can get a free keg of beer. Exactly.
1: And Gary said, <laughs> I think the producers are assuming more than the contestants are blind.
0: Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. There, there you go. No, I, I just wanted to take this into, uh, into the days in offer. And you know what? Two weeks pay. I mean, that's if if you're a wedding photographer, that's two weekends, uh, potentially during the summer when you are, you know, fairly busy and your costs are going to be there. Um, and uh, ten thousand dollars. I know, like, I, I paid. Uh, just under 5,000, I think for my wedding photographer uh, for the weekend. And there was a second shooter and everything else. So uh, 10,000 seems like a big number, but if you are a professional and you have all of these extra expenditures in what you're doing and your time, you're away from home and your family and any other obligations that you might need. um, I I think it's good. I think it's fair. I don't think it's uh, excessive or any kind of a windfall, but it's a, it's a fair number that a company has come up with. And the only reason why it's making headlines is because it seems like it is more than fair, like it is benefiting the photographer more than it should be. But all of the equipment and uh, all of the the staffing and insurance and uh, and what have you, um, that I think this is a good deal for whoever well, gets this particular job.
1: The, yeah, it, first of all, there's a couple of things in here that are interesting and and I highlighted a part on the screen here. They're not even saying, they're, they're being very clear. We're not necessarily looking for a working travel photographer pro, you know, Canon Explorer of Light. They say they want, quote, an aspiring photographer and adventure seeker. So they're, com- they're admitting they want what could be an amateur, right? But they're willing to pay that amateur. I think that that is absolutely fantastic. The program is the SunTurn program.
0: Uh, and su- yeah. sun
1: turnship program, and let's be clear who it is. It's Days In by Wyndham for the mm-hmm. sun program. But here's the thing that got me in their quote, which is it's two long inter- two week long internship during which the sun turn will explore some of Mer- of America's most desirable locations and capture moments along the way. But the chosen photographer will head out on a quote customizable two week long trip. So it's not even like they're going to pay you $10,000 and say, you must go to Redwood City, California.
0: Or you must go to uh, North Dakota. Uh, In January. Exactly. (laughs) Right?
1: It's customizable to capture as many photos. And by the way, it's not just $10,000. We got to be clear about that too. There is a $250 daily stipend
0: times 14. That that per diem is quite nice, and and so uh, you know, and they say that they will a, a plus plus benefits to travel. Uh, it's what they mean. And so they're, they're probably going to cover any other incidental expenses uh, that that might come up. But why why aren't more companies doing this? I mean, there's a lot of clandestine, draconian type of deals that I've seen. We talked about photo contests recently uh, on another episode, and some of the rules in there basically are a rights grab. This is exactly the opposite. Well, it's w- let's be fair; it's probably a rights grab. I mean, they're they're owning the rights of the images that you take. Uh, we in don't here. know. And I we have- don't know that it's work for hire. It. it- Probably is, but it
1: may not be. But again, it's, they're looking for an aspiring unknown, photographer. Yeah. So they're, they, they are pushing that you will have your photos featured by days in, but you're getting, you're also getting benefits from them beyond the money that doesn't, that don't cost Wyndham anything. You get Wyndham rewards, diamond level membership. Normally you got to put in some time to get that. You yep. get, quote, a glowing recommendation from a Days In by Wyndham executive, which, if you're an aspiring new starting out photographer, you got a paid
0: gig, a resume, and a referral. Yep. I, I think that this is great. Days In deserves applause. Uh, Better than what
1: know. Netflix has given you.
0: Absolutely. And so this is a, you know. A polar opposite type of approach and the thing is there's a lot of stuff in between the two of these uh that you will encounter on a on a daily or weekly basis if you are you know trying to hang out your shingle as a professional photographer um and and i've had i've had people that have money and they can spend money uh completely refuse to pay me even a nominal fee uh and I, I'm not going to lower my my rates for to just kind of cheapen myself for somebody. You know, if, if I come in for a non-profit rate, I don't know what the rate would be, a couple of hundred dollars for whatever it was. And I, I'm right. making up a hypothetical scenario here. But I might have, if it was a, a, a for-profit uh, endeavor, charged orders of magnitude more and they still slap me down. No. I mean, a lot of not-for-profits have CEOs that are paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, there's money being thrown around at this and I am the worthless party. Is that really? Tr- no, it's not going to be, I, I'm not going to play that game.
1: We should probably say, and there's some good comments again. Uh, unlike my last stream, I don't have a scene to set up to bring these on. But first of all, for Carl, he's saying that we're looking fuzzy. I'm guessing that's the internet connection. My stream shows really, really healthy on my end, but uh, hopefully it gets better for you. But Gary said, always heard to price yourself so you can negotiate down You'll never negotiate your price up, which is a a really good point.
0: Well, um, Gary, I want to echo something on that point, though, because if you, uh, it's the, I don't agree with this, this under promise and over deliver methodology, but if you add something to a gig that was unexpected and just a bonus that nobody was expecting, uh, to increase the value of something that takes you no effort or time, uh, beyond something that is incredibly marginal, you'll have repeat customers. Uh, and when they come back to you, they'll say, well, can I, can I have that extra thing again? And uh, you say absolutely, but you know times have changed. Our prices have gone up a little bit. It's still very affordable, right. but you know what you're getting now, and we're going to have this this added into the package. Uh, I used to call so-
1: them. I used to call those one percenters. You know things, little extra things you do, and it it could literally be somebody comes into your business and you've got Jolly Rancher candy sitting in a bowl that no other business, you know, whatever. But here's a here's a thing. If I ever do something that goes above and beyond what I promised, that's clearly something that should have or could have been billable, I'll invoice you for it. And I'll invoice yeah. you nothing. I will okay. put yes.
0: I'll, I, I will a line put
1: so many hours. I'll put what the charge is. I'll let them know what it would have cost. And then I'll put a line, no charge above uh, above entry. Uh, as a gift or you know whatever wording you want to do mm-hmm. because then they know the value and here's the other thing it does beyond that. Nobody ever questions my invoices because they know I'm honest and they know I'm fair because they've seen me no charge them. Yep. It doesn't do you any good to no charge somebody and have them not know that you no charge What it was going to cost, exactly. Right? Yeah, so if you want to get in on this, by the way, you've got until June 1st, The imi- the the info's up on the story. You got to submit a photo and a 300 word essay and you got to be 21 or older.
0: And that'll be at photogeekweekly.com, where you can find the links uh, for everything that we're talking about in the show notes. And let's go on to our next story. Uh, this is an interesting one. Also in oh, two yeah. parts, sort of uh, the Ruha Cam um, is a retro style digital camera made with a Raspberry Pi HQ uh, as sort of the, the the bones of it, the, the heart of things. Um uh, and this is not the first time that Raspberry Pi cameras uh, have been featured on the show. The I'm Back uh, product from years ago would uh, turn a Raspberry Pi into a, an image sensor for a uh, an old SLR. But this is a 3D printed camera, a LCD screen on the back, and a single button, uh, and it it's not terrible. Uh, you know, we talk about on this podcast periodically the joys and the uh, lamentations of film photography and how the tactile experience of a simple camera can be nice but I don't want to go through the laborious activity of necessarily developing and scanning film Um, and so this is an interesting product for me because it It's, it's two things. Number one, it has the retro and vintage feel to it. it, This is, you can 3d print it in plastic, but heck, if you want to go all out, there's a lot of companies like I materialize uh, that can 3d print in precious metals. Even you can go that far. Um, so it's got that retro feel and you can get some heft, uh, some weight to it. Uh, as a result, the images are also not great. They won't be on par with anything that you'd get digitally. Um, But that's also the nature of a film camera. So is something like this a Raspberry Pi powered? And yeah, maybe the design could be refined and and revised and improved in in some way to really amp up the retro styling, um, get some custom cut leather to stick on the various pieces and uh, and what have you. Um, But I think this is if if you want to have the retro comfort and experience and yet have subpar to the modern digital cameras which is you know again what you might get with that uh, with film uh in a way and you can battle this back and forth because it looks like right. they're using c-mount lenses which are uh very very small image circles and the raspberry pi is you know we can talk sensor size versus you know film size and we can just spend an entire hour just on that but let's talk about the experiential uh side of things steve is this a camera that um <laughs> to, to me it either fills the niche perfectly or it obliterates the need for me even caring about that because it tells me how silly it is and i should just look elsewhere
1: it can also be both so yeah. first of all it's from uh, ping soon chen otherwise known as pink and Rua Cheng. it's based on a raspberry pi 12.3 megapixel camera module and i want to stress Okay, you're not going to go shoot a concert with a Raspberry Pi, but I have business clients, IT clients of mine that do jewelry, for example, jewelry repair, and they're setting up Raspberry Pi cameras with a photo light box and multiple cameras. They put a piece of jewelry, a watch, a ring, a bracelet, whatever in there, and before they repair it, they take pictures of it normally, and it used to be take one from the top, rotate it, take one. Well, now you're going to put a piece of jewelry in there, and these Raspberry Pi cameras are going to take at one click 12 photos and upload them into the database these cameras are capable they aren't great but they're capable it's built on a, a raspberry pi zero w a raspberry pi camera module and you are right it's c and cs mounts but what was shocking to me about this and the reason i would play with one no matter what even though it's you know just a little 3d printed is a they published the 3d designs and the software so that you can do this yourself on github that's pretty cool.
0: Now, is the license, uh, uh, does it allow for modification to the design? Yes. I didn't and, well,
1: I, I, I shouldn't say yes. I didn't read it. But the article seems to indicate that, yes, you can download it. You can modify it and build on it. And we're talking a 2.2-inch display. It, it'll be interesting to play with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's got the. It is 35-millimeter, uh, too, by the way, I should say. <clears throat> um. You've got the, uh, the Ruha name on the top, uh, on the, uh, the nameplate, but if it's modifiable and you could remove that, and again, you'd have to read the license, but wouldn't it be fun to have your own name or nickname or something on the nameplate of your camera? Um, I think it would be great. I think it would be fun. Yeah, just, just for uh, the, the enjoyment of that. I love weird cameras, and this is weird and both practical in terms of the camera itself. So uh, it strikes well, a chord with think me. Think about this. Think about this. You have a child.
1: Imagine yep. if you had, I'm going to throw an, uh, an age at it could be six for all I care, but let's just say you have an 11-year-old. I sat down with my son when my son was a young teen and built his first computer with him. Imagine downloading all of this, 3D printing it, and building a camera with your kid.
0: That would be fun. My, my daughter's four and a half. Uh, she's a bit young to truly appreciate what, what uh, would be going on here, uh, but- I think that in the next year or two, maybe uh, I should buy a 3D printer, and we could actually watch or check in periodically as the 3D printed elements are being created. Exactly, um, and then see how all of the different pieces come together. I mean, she's just got her first Lego kits right now, and she sees how you know you can build something from uh, parts that becomes greater than it's uh, the individual components. You know, the synergy um, therein. And uh, so there we have it. Um, but I'm also, Steve, I'm also a fan of weird cameras. Oh, this I got is a so lot of cool. them. Um, I got, I've got the uh, uh, the Lytro lipstick uh, model uh, camera. Thank you to uh, whoever sent me that one. Uh, just as uh, it's, I, I've used it exactly three times, mostly just to show it off. Um, I love those strange anachronisms uh, of photography. I think Polaroid made this four-up camera. Um, uh, uh, passport camera at one point as well. Where you could get instant passport photos and you get four of them at exactly the same time uh, from that camera. But there was one that came across my radar um, that I think is, I, I don't want to say it's as weird. It serves a purpose, but it's such a narrow niche purpose. Um, and it is like bullet time in the film era with a point and shoot nearly looking like disposable type of camera. And so this is from F Stoppers, the weirdest camera I've ever seen and why you should get one. Because who doesn't wanna take 16 pictures at once? But not, not exactly at once. Um, there is a very slight time delay between each of these exposures, because if you wanted to have a massively fast rate of fire for a camera, uh, and you're talking about buying the, uh, the special battery grip on a a Canon, uh, a series camera in the film era, uh, in order to speed up the rate that the film could run through it, or maybe Leica had this big giant magazine on some of their cameras. Uh, in order to just, I think they called it like the journalist model or something uh, like that, where it would just be a massive spool that you could just constantly churn and churn, and the the rate of fire would be massive. But those are expensive. Uh, those are dedicated photography equipment. What if you were a soccer mom in the 1980s, and you wanted to make the, the swing of the, the bat, the kick of the ball, the, the game-winning goal, uh, whatever it is, uh, as something that would be, um, you know, it memorized forever uh, on film. Well, you would need the Bayou-N16 cardia Uh, from Fujifilm obviously that does not sound like the name of a product that ever made it to North America which is why I'd never seen it before Um, so what do you think about this thing Steve I think it is fascinating as heck and what I really
1: love is the video that they have on here the guy who made the video which is Tyler Knoll he does this thing where he goes out and he shows you the multiple shots that it takes, almost like an animated GIF, but he goes beyond that. So, first of all, you'll see in these samples I'm playing right now, and hopefully they're streaming okay. They, they appear to be like they're streaming okay. Let me go find screen. Can I fine? <clears throat> um, what you're getting here is there's there's a couple of different ways to do the post-production on this thing. And he talks about how to do all the post-production at the end of this video, which I think is interesting. He talks about how to keep the subject still but have the background moving talks about how to keep the background still the subject moving through it based on just how you assemble the different shots that this camera takes. Um, One thing that was interesting to me though. So this thing was originally released in 1995, 95. I
0: said eighties, but I was
1: mistaken. 95, but the original, it was an update to a camera from 91. And what was fascinating was he explained that each of the 16 lenses has their own shutter. It's not a single shutter. So they're all 20 millimeters. They're all F 9.5, 16 different shutters, all always firing. You cannot change it at two fiftieth of a second.
0: And so that means it's for action uh, inherently, but it also, the lenses are not all in the same space. Obviously they have to be in a separate physical location. Um, and that, uh, it, as somebody that loves stereoscopic 3D work, uh, I am very keen on thinking, well, every one of those images is going to be from a slightly different perspective. Even if the subject is relatively static, um, but they all fire at a slightly different time in sync. This could be a really cool technology, like even if it's just eight of them in a row, because you've got two right. separate rows for lenticular printing, um, which oh. you've seen the, 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 the prints that animate uh, when you uh, move them side by side, or you walk by a billboard and you'll see one image of a movie poster change to another or something like that. Um, that's lenticular printing. It's using a, um, a, a sheet of, uh, of prisms to show your eyes a different view based on your angle of, uh, of, of viewing it. Now, if you have eight of those in a row, uh, and they're all firing not at the same time, but at slightly different times, then that could be a really cool uh, view of both motion and perspective as you see it from a different angle that would be almost like uh, altered reality that we would have on screens these days, but uh, in 1990s technology.
1: And, and that's basically what it's doing. It's, it's basically a movable photographic still 16 frame GIF or GIF. If you prefer what was really funny that I, I didn't catch until I watched the video is this part right here. Look at the logo that's on that camera. Golf. It is. You said it's sports. It is actually marketed or was to golfing to catch a golf swing. There you go. Very, very uh, fascinating what they chose to do with this thing. But again, even if you're not going to get this thing or try and find one, apparently they're hard to find, but they do come up now. And then go watch the video because the guy goes super detail at the very end. When he talks about how he assembled those, those sequences is very interesting.
0: And I want one. Uh, if anybody has yeah, one I they're agree. willing to sell me at a reasonable price, I would totally love agree. to play with one of those things. Um, and you know, speaking of of three D, uh, I was actually going to going to check something out w- w- with my book uh, because there's a chapter in the book um, to, to to go back to that for a minute because I just love this thing. Um, if I go to the very end of the book, I put in a chapter on stereoscopic 3d and i made it such that i require you to use uh anaglyph red uh, red blue glasses so i'm just holy crap that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it jumps right off the page so um i am happy about that um yeah anyhow so yeah interesting uh, very interesting. Uh, but you know, that, that brings it to an interesting point. Uh, photography can be motion. Uh, it can be a collection of images that depict something. It can be seeing things in three dimensions as, as I just, uh, experimented with, uh, it can yeah, like be this? Yeah, <laughs> jumping right out at you, Steve. Yeah. Um, but are all photographs lies, Is the title, uh, for the next story. And this is, uh, from Petapixel and, uh, you know, photography is the art of telling stories with light. Technically the name would be, uh, drawing with light if you go back to the, the full literal sense of it. Um, but I think that is everything a lie is the better question about this because yes, all photography is not the truth. Um, You know, if you think about what you exclude from a frame, it could be as meaningful as what you include. Um, You know, how you edit something to uh, be uh, restored from something old, from, uh, you know, uh, framing something with exactly the right words. You know, how you light something, how you choose to accentuate certain features or hide others. there There are certain areas of photography Um, that uh, I think are truthful or closer to truthful. And they might be insurance photographs from an unbiased third party. Um, Something that might come out of an x-ray technician, um, crime scene investigators uh, and and their images. But even when you get to photojournalism, where it's supposed to be truthful, um, the person taking the picture has a bias of what to include and what not to include. And um, it thereby uh, lends to, to truth. Uh, or a lens against truth because we all lie, uh, you know, whether it's to hide the truth of somebody to surprise them for a birthday party, or you don't want to hurt somebody or whatever it happens to be human nature is to exclude information as well right. as to provide it. And even if you decide something was 100% fact and truth, somebody might disagree with you with their own beliefs and there's no truth in humanity. Um, there is the belief of truth, but at one point, everybody believed the earth was flat and going against that idea. Many people still do. Yeah. Uh, just got it. Just got to say, and, but, but going against the idea, uh, would be, uh, blasphemy just about, I mean, it wasn't a religious fact per se, but so photography comes into this interesting space because we've given it truth in some contexts We've given it pure abstract artwork in others. Um, you know, if, if you have a, a photo of, of your family from generations in the past, you want to look at that image and think that that's exactly how these people were. Well, maybe it was on a good day for them. Maybe it was on a bad day for them. Uh, what is the truth of their life in an image? Um, so when truth comes to photography, um, do you believe it? Should we? This is the better question. Should we give the, uh, the illusion of truth to photography more than we do to other art forms because it is documentary, uh, or should we just enjoy it all as art and interpretation and subjective looks at the world around us? Okay. So first of
1: all, documentary, even to an extent has issues because everything that is presented in front of a human is absorbed to some extent different than it was presented because we bring our bias, we bring our history, we bring our current mental state with it. I mean, the mood that we're in will affect how we interpret colors, for example. So everything can be misinterpreted, whether that's an intentional lie or not, You know, it it plays to fact. But here's one of the places I want to go with this because I thought that this was fascinating. That they when they first hit the article title, my mind went here and they did too. Composition is composing a lie. And my answer to that is no, except when it is. Right. So Anytime you take a shot, you pick a lens. Now, if I choose a wide angle lens, I get more in. That may tell a different story than if I choose a a zoom. So let's take an example. I'm going to make a scene up, a protest, a violent protest. So it would seem because I shot it with a 200 and it's a tight shot. But in a wide angle, there was actually a marching band that lets you know maybe that was all staged as part of some play or something else. Both are real. If I only show you the tight shot of the altercation, you can interpret that as an altercation. But if I show you the wide shot with a marching band that's actually playing and there's no police, you may interpret that completely differently. So at its best, composition is misleading. At its worst, worst, yes, it is
0: a lie. Does that make any sense? It does. Uh, And I think that we need to embrace the lie a little bit as photographers, because um, it's not something that we should shy away from. In fact, um, the way that we remember things is a lie to ourselves about what those events particularly were. You know, we tend
1: to what's the old saying,
0: If, if a woman remembered
1: Everything about childbirth, she'd never have another kid. Yeah. Yeah. The, thankfully, right? we don't I remember
0: mean, the intensity of pain, right? Otherwise- right? We you
1: tend to remember the positive feelings and shut down some of the negative feelings. So I, I think you are right. Bridges. But you said, you said something in an email to me that was interesting. You touched on evidence, crime scene, and historical photos. Yeah. We and, know and- historical photos have been faked.
0: Oh, totally. And in this article, there's one, was it of Stalin? If I scroll down here? Yeah, uh, that was funny. Yeah, That was actually, yeah, so, I didn't know about that. <laughs> so, you know, you, you you get a political ally that you then turn on at some point and uh, you, you want to kind of erase them from history. Well, you know what, that, that seems like a, a modern, uh, you know, 21st century thing to do. No, no, it was a 20th century thing to do as well. Uh, and so, you know, It's it's expert retouching work, uh, you know, especially for the era uh, and to to lighten things up, to make the detail in the water less obvious so that you can't see that things have been brushed in. I totally get exactly why they chose that processing to lighten the image in that case. Uh, Well done. I hope the person that made the retouching did a good enough job not to also disappear off the face of the planet. Um, Well, but I have heard that there were Civil
1: War photos. That are considered historic until they found out that the photographer ended up moving subjects on a battlefield, dead bodies, guns, whatever, to put things in a scene that they wanted to compose. You know, there's a there's a photo in here as well. This is actually an interesting one where they showed two newspapers on different ends of the spectrum chose to crop a photo differently. But this one, uh, this is a famous photo. Uh, Spanish oh, yes. Civil War. It's one of Kappa's. It, uh, essentially brought him to fame. It's somebody being shot and dying on the field, except it appears it was staged. Yep. So, uh,
0: well, and appears. I mean, we don't have any direct evidence one way or the other that proves it. We have evidence one way <laughs> and the other, but it's still inconclusive uh, based on who you ask right. and, and what historical uh, recounts you can discuss. But the the thing about that is... I. In either case, it's still a lie because it's excluding information. Right. right. Uh but but how factual uh is it based <laughs> on what we want to believe it to be? And photography's always kind of uh righted this this line. It's not it's not art in the sense of you're not drawing something, you're not painting something. And even some artists, um like Johannes Vermeer, was, uh, was basically a photocopier. He invented photography before photography existed using a comparative mirror. And I encourage anybody to take a look at uh, the documentary film Tim's Vermeer, wherever you can find it, uh, where that work is, is properly recreated. Um, and anybody with no artistic skill whatsoever can paint a Vermeer-like painting so long as you have enough resolve to actually sit there and do it. But it takes no skill. Uh, so yeah, all art forms are a kind of lie. Photography has the illusion of being more factual because it's actually on the surface less artistic, but it has all of the elements of art that any other art form does. And the more of the art you embrace, the less truth you have in the end results. I think that's really what the answer is.
1: Well, and, and facts are facts. Presentation is subjective. Right. We, ab- we absorb what's presented to us based on the colorization of our existence. Yep. That doesn't change. We may perceive it wrong based on what is a fact, but it is, it is also a fact that we have the ability to perceive it wrong, whether it was intentional or not. So yes, all photos can be a lie and can be true. So the answer is no, except what it is.
0: <laughs> there you go. That's clear as mud, Steve. Uh Gary says in the chat, you know, uh, just as the written word is a photo, just as expression, uh just an expression of opinion. And I believe that it is. Um, uh, you know, even if you try to be as as unbiased as possible with a photograph, right. um, you are a human being. You inherently, by your existence, have a bias. Um, and yeah. uh, so we we can't negate that. We have to embrace it. And and I think that we all have to understand collectively that there is no perfectly true image. It's all there, there's something in the mix somewhere. Whether it's what I choose in terms of a uh, a lens, uh, which I think uh, uh, Mike said in the chat. You know, even the lens is used uh, that right. controls the depth of field and and the field of view and and all that. Um, but even just how we perceive color. I mean Steve, you're you're colorblind, right? Yes. So you will see an image inherently differently than I will. Uh, yeah. And I might see thing in the pho- uh, things in the photograph that you will not see and vice versa. And that so so the other thing is things don't end at a line.
1: Yes, that is true and therefore my pictures will be different. Now I remember While I may not see color the same as you, I remember how I saw it. I can color correct based on white point or whatever to an extent. But, for example, if I see – I've used this example on my show a million times. So if you've heard this before, I apologize, people. But uh, if I see red apples in a green tree, I see the red apples. I see the green tree, but I don't see the color contrast as stark. Whereas somebody that's not colorblind will go, oh my gosh, that's red and that's green. They're completely different. Because I don't see that color contrast, I tend to process my images with more contrast, more real contrast, I call it, edge contrast. Luminosity
0: contrast, yeah.
1: Luminosity contrast. And so, you know, there's that. Um, Another thing, there are photographers out there that, you know, pride themselves and boast about I never crop an image. To which my response is yes, you do because you chose a twenty-four millimeter lens,
0: and you chose or, a camera that has a three by two aspect ratio or a exactly. you know, four by five and aspect ratio or what have you. Yeah,
1: here was the best lesson I ever learned. A, a friend of mine who's a lawyer, and we were talking about a Supreme Court decision. Which, of course, I'm not a lawyer. I don't know what I'm talking about. But we're you know talking about it because it was news at the time. And they said you know this idea that judges are un unbi- you know are supposed to serve from the bench, unbiased, and rule purely based on laws. You can look at precedent after precedent that was based on what judges were sitting on a bench at what time. Again, we all bring a preconceived mental state to anything in front of us that we interpret.
0: Embrace it, people. Uh, And and, and I I also mean to not just in your in your work, but the work that you see of others Um, know that it cannot be avoided. It is part of the human condition uh, and judge the world around you. Uh, As you know, it's been filtered through somebody else's perceptions Um, unless you are the one visiting it or viewing it firsthand. Uh, and I think that's a really powerful thing to think about. Uh, and I think that we need to be reminded of that as creative people all the time. It's something that is not intuitive for us. We assume that there's a certain sense of, um, of, of realism to everything that we see, especially if it looks and feels real to us. And we have to remember that it is somebody else's version of the world that they want us to see. And we would not see the same thing if we were in the same position. That, that doesn't mean it's bad. Uh, it just means that it's more powerful that we understand and appreciate that. And Gary solved it in the what chat. Did he say? Eliminate the humans, problem solved Gary, thank you so much And Um, in the critique show uh, that we did Just just before this, Gary mentioned that there should Also be a dead body on a beach So thank you for these wonderfully Human (laughs) recommendations You robot of a person, sir Um (laughs) All right, uh, all right, let's 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 go on to our next story. Final story, again, in two parts, this one, um, just from stuff that I was finding uh, along on the internet. I'm, I'm using a laptop right now, and it's doing a really good job as a uh, desktop replacement for now. Um, it's a, a Microsoft Surface Book 3. And I, I miss my desktop. Uh, you know, I, I will build another one at some point. And I was looking at, you know, uh, the, the one story uh, from DP Review, report that says, uh, TSMC, one of the biggest semiconductor manufacturers in the world, uh, has started to, uh, uh started the production of Apple's next generation M series chipset. Uh, the M one is out right now. We can assume it might be called the M two, uh, but it is currently under production while at the same time, we still have a big push, uh, on the traditional X 86 side of thing that Apple is leaving behind. Um, and they are, uh, they're embracing their own platform, but AMD uh, is rumored to be launching their Zen three uh, uh, Threadripper ripper uh, 5,000 series in August of this year, which uh, these at least currently have CPUs that have 64 cores and oodles of features and bells and whistles, but a lot of the baggage of the X86 infrastructure. Um, and so we've got these competing elements here. You know, if you want to buy a computer, um, I, I have made mistakes buying computers. I, I have gone for the massive core count, which then generally relates to a lesser per clock, uh, or a lesser core, uh, speed per clock, uh, a lesser clock speed per core. If I could speak properly I knew there, the, get words that out. Are, the words are coming out finally. Uh, and then that hurts the performance of things that are only single threaded. And a lot of things still are, even though I bought my, it was a, Uh, 12 core system with two processors. So it had 24 cores uh, in total and nothing really fully utilized it. Props to uh, Helicon Focus, the focus stacking software for actually using everything the system had, but nothing else really did. So is it time that we think differently? Apple obviously has decided so, and they have uh, segmented their chips, not just to be, oh, well, you can have 32 of something, but some things that are very specifically different uh, and different clocks all working together, different portions of the chips that do very, very specific things and only do that one thing that may never need to be used uh, in certain. uh Where are we right now, Steve? Am I going to, is my next computer And this is a very serious question. Is my next desktop computer going to be an x86 computer, uh, a processor, or is it going to be ARM, M, whatever else, because uh, it's time for change?
1: So that's a really good question. And and the answer is, if you're a PC user, it's probably not going to be ARM anytime soon, but at some point it will be. So you know, the Intel's of the world and the AMD's and Intel specifically Intel has had trouble getting down in die size. Whereas, you know, the M one is a five nanometer, the M two or whatever it's going to be called. It could be an M one plus could be a number of different names uh, is, is five nanometer, right? Intel's not near five nanometer yet. They've had trouble with that.
0: Uh, so, they're not even at seven really. For no, their, their exactly. Heavy
1: hitters. But, Damn. but here's the thing. First of all, we got to understand the M one Apple Silicon for the new iPad and the newer Apple Silicon MacBooks, MacBook Airs, MacBook, et cetera. Uh, That chip's only six months old, but it's not like it's new. It effectively is an A14 or you know something of those generations and the A series chips that have been in phones for 10 years. So Apple has been doing these SOC systems, system on a chip for a long time. They are not what we think of as an ARM chip today. When we think of an ARM chip, we think of ARM like you have in the PC world or in the phone world. These are Apple System on a chips. They are licensing the ARM. Command set, but these are custom built chips. And for example, if you look at the diagram of this thing, it's onboard memory, the GPU, the CPUs, the HDR imaging, Thunderbolt controllers. All of those are built into this chipset. So again, yes, they're ARM instruction sets, but I wouldn't think of them as ARM in that sense. And in the PC and, world, and, you don't have anything licensed- like it.
0: Licensed from ARM, are you saying, Steve, that now would be a good time to invest in ARM as a company? If they're, it's an interesting question. Uh, the question if, if is, we
1: don't know yet. Here's the question we don't really know yet. We are assuming that the M2, and the whole reason this report is out is because the M2 reportedly is in mass production. It's a three-month cycle to get to, to quantity, which means they're assuming that they could ship machines. They, the, the chips could ship in July- for machines like MacBook Pros that could come out in the fall cuz the chips would be July not the yep. machines whatever it's called M M2 M1 plus whatever but what's key to remember is they have not released an M series chip for a pro machine yet yes is it are they going to go beyond 8 cores are they going to do 16 core what are they going to do to get it to speed When you compare that with what you said with the AMD Zen 3 Ryzen, the the Threadripper 5000, um, that is an x86 chipset, tried and true, but long in the tooth at this point. Yeah, and and I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be fascinating to watch. It's a wonderful time to be alive.
0: It is. The, the x86 architecture has been built on, like, a lot of code, so long as it's not using any of the special instruction sets, can run on a 386 if there's enough memory, right? right? And it'll just run super slow, but um, that type of backwards compatibility serves absolutely no purpose whatsoever. Um, and, you know, you have uh, some of the inside elements of uh, you know, even Adobe Software, even in Photoshop on the x86 side of things, uh, some of the, the innards of that software carry so much baggage. Uh, and I think I've referenced yes. like the, the actions panel and other things like if you go deep enough b- beneath the surface, you see stuff that has UI configurations from decades ago that doesn't make any sense right now whatsoever. Um, and so by allowing the software to continue to be built up on that same very aged and cracking foundation, we don't really see the same amount of innovation on the software side of things either. Uh, but at the same time, we have, uh, we have this backwards compatibility. We have this stuff that just always works. Um, and if you learned how to use those tools 10, 20 years ago, and you're kind of stuck in your ways, and it's just it's muscle memory for you now, you don't have to relearn it because it's just it's always going to stay the same. So well, we're- here, Here's the thing
1: though. If we were to go- with more of an armed style SOC and PCs, Macs, mobile, whatever. That's great because one thing is true. The M1 chip that is, for example, in the new iPad even is a beast, not just on a spec sheet, not just on benchmarks. These things are proving to just rip through video processing. Yeah. Software has to be rewritten to be native, but there's a lot of potential here I personally, now I'm a Mac user, but I do IT, so I work on PCs. I personally would love to see the competition and, and this type of chip open up, you know, across the world. But here's the, here to me is the big takeaway about these stories. What the heck Intel?
0: right yeah where intel is intel had amd this. is is really killing the x86 market right now especially in the high end uh, but intel was famous for selling their chips for thousands of dollars in order to eke out an extra 5% of performance i remember the days
1: when apple would strike a deal with intel and a new intel chip would come out in a mac first because they were going to buy them all and you know tim cook has always been well known as a supply guy and yep. you know buying everything up in advance but the fact that to this day, we've been saying for two years probably that, oh, where's Intel's five nanometer? Where's their seven nanometer, right?
0: Yeah, I think they're uh, still at 10 for the, for like- the, And uh, for then like they chips.
1: had the huge security issues that were in chip where they had to cripple chips to counteract some of these different Spectre security and meltdown,
0: issues. exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, and, and their fix was, it reminds me of the old Mac OS 8 and OS 9. Intel's fix has been throw more, cores, throw more cores, throw more cores, throw more cores, throw more cores, and then you end up with heat issues.
0: Well, there and is, you also end up with software inefficiencies where you, know, you have to be very, very good at designing <coughs> software in order to be end core optimized. To say, hey, I can work great on one core. How about four? I can work fine right. there. How right. about 45? Uh, no, no, I'm good at four. Well, then and that's what's the, the point thing, of having the extra four? Uh,
1: that's the thing with the ARM. They run super cool. They run super fast. You can have multiple cores. Uh, I, I think it's the way of the world. Uh, Gary just said Intel has become Motorola. Oh, wow. the 6800s. Wow, that's, a, that's 000, an yeah. insult.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that that brings us to the end. That puts uh that, that puts that story to bed. Thank you, Gary, uh, for that commentary. But uh, we still have picks of the week. Before we get yep. to the picks of the week, however, uh, Steve, where can people find you online and your podcast? So, the easiest way to find First of all, I'll start with the podcast. The podcast, you can find it behindtheshot.tv.
1: My stuff, my photography, you can find it at my website, which is stevebrazil.com. It's like the country Brazil, but it's two Ls. On Instagram or Twitter, it's at Steve Brazzle or at Behind the Shot TV. Facebook, it's Steve Brazzle Photography or Behind the Shot TV. And uh, that's probably the easiest place to find me. For me personally, I'm not on Facebook anymore. The pages are still there. There's some things that auto post, but uh, I do do Instagram still and I live on Twitter. I really love Twitter. So that's the easiest thing.
0: All right. Well, we'll find you there. And again, those links are also found at photogeekweekly.com in the show notes. Um, Let's get into the picks of the week. Um yeah, I think we're both tripod oriented this week. I'll go first. Um I got this uh th- this little thing here. This is uh it's a Novoflex uh, it's actually a combination of two of their products and the connection name that they call is the uh, the micro which is uh the uh the micropod uh, as a tripod and a ball head. And this is a unique little creation. Um I I use a lot of tabletop tripods uh, in my work doing macro photography and they're almost always either, you know, stuck in storage or they're out for a long period of time. But the legs end up getting a little bit wobbly and weak um, and the the heads on them, uh, like the Manfrotto uh, Pixie tripods that I've used for a long time. They are not really that solid and secure and not nearly as flexible as this. Um, these legs, by the way, they, they can come out. They physically are removed and could be placed back in to a central component. Oh, uh, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Do they, are they magnetic? Or do, do not they magnetic. come out that easy? Uh, well, they, they don't come. I'm actually using some force. There's a little gasket on, on the okay, side of it. Right. Uh, and so that gasket uh, makes it so that it'll stay in place for, for any type of that. Uh, magnetic would be interesting, too, but it might be hard to get them to align properly. Uh, anyhow, so that, that's a pretty easy way to, to get that to work. Um, and that's just the the micropod base. But also of, uh, uh, at least t- to me, interest is the uh, the head on this which is a separate unit. You can buy them separately. You can buy them together as a kit. It's just over $67, which seems like a fair amount for a little tabletop tripod. Cause I can buy them for 20. Um, but I'm, I want to live in the lap of luxury here. Um, number one, uh, the ball head has full motion, uh, and it also goes into a vertical position, which is great when it's loosened. Uh, it will also spin on its base, which is also wonderful. Uh, so which it's
1: the I- same knob for ball head loosening and spinning?
0: Yep, same knob. So you make your adjustments and then you just tighten her up and then she's good. But even when it's fully tight, uh, this top plate, it's kind of hard to see uh, here, will still rotate. Uh, And so that when you tighten something onto that, it'll continue to tighten and tighten and tighten with it. So what that means is, it will get one of the tightest connections against that surface that you could have. Uh, so things will not move on a small, tiny little ball head like this. Now I'm not going to put, I mean, yeah, you know what? I actually could put a, um, a micro four thirds camera on this. Uh, I think that would be a, a fair connection to have those two things at play. Uh, I wouldn't put a full frame camera on a tiny little it ball head like says, this. It actually says,
1: I've got the website up here and it actually says on the website that, uh, it supports 6.6 pounds.
0: I, and I'm, um, I'm not going to doubt that, uh, but it just becomes a little bit unwieldy in terms of balance, not just in terms of weight. Uh, but when you have a small tripod like this, the balance is better for a smaller camera because things can get a little bit topply uh, if, uh, if you've got a big lens coming out in one direction and then it's not going to work so well. But um, as something to hold lights, Uh, Something to put a Micro Four Thirds or uh, any other smaller compact camera on. Um, I was using these for some of my most recent uh, uh, tabletop macro setups that I was doing in my studio. I loved them. Uh, And you know what? Novoflex is a company. um, They just, I'm kind of taking a a liking to them. They just make really good quality stuff. Um, And you pay a little bit more for that, sure. But I haven't been disappointed yet, so... There, there, that's well, my
1: pick. Nice product, and uh,
0: definitely looks interesting.
1: The price is actually pretty
0: amazing too. Novoflux is usually a much higher priced item. Like I've got their Castel micro fo- uh, uh, automated focusing rail, and it's something like eighteen hundred euro for the thing. And you know, it, it is the best focusing rail that I've ever used. But there's a lot of diminishing returns. You know, the the other ones that I've used that were also fantastic were half the price. Uh, and so, yes, in that case, it, that becomes like a Ferrari type product where you've got a little bit of extra performance with a lot of extra cost, but they also make things that, uh, that are quite, uh, quite nice and affordable.
1: Michael, uh, or, uh, yeah, Michael, uh, just came in and said, did I miss the unboxing? <laughs>
0: You missed the <laughs> unboxing, Michael. The, the the unboxing was at the beginning, uh, and so yeah. here is is my new book uh, as well. Uh, you can go back to the beginning, and you can see all of the wonders of whatever page I'm oh, snowflakes right there uh, to uh, to to see how that uh, that came together. So, uh, yeah. but also, hey Steve, go back to, to my my uh, single shot there. I, I want to illustrate, and you can kind of see it right now. Uh, the cover of the book has spot gloss on it, and if you get the angle just right, you'll see that the seed head, um, I had the angle a second ago there. I don't know where it's, it's going. Um, but the seed head itself is, is reflective. Uh, and I will have to set this up in the studio to actually get this to, uh, Oh, there you go a little bit. Uh, but the whole, the seed head is, is going to be, uh, glowing and reflective and, and what have you. I just don't have the lights at the right angles to, to get that to work right now. Um, Anyhow, uh, I digress, Steve. Uh, give me your pick of the week. I believe it has something to do with a company that I've had good things to say about and you might not. I, I Actually, well, it's a mixed bag. So
1: first of all, the product that I've got is from a company called Moment. You might recognize the name Moment. They are known as probably the best mobile lenses that you can get. So you buy a, a Moment case, you put the Moment lenses on it. They're very high-end lenses. They're very good. And I have heard nothing but amazing stuff about this company. So when they came out with MagSafe gear, MagSafe type attachments, I was like, well, that sounds interesting. And they've got a bunch of them. They've got a wall mount that you screw on the wall and can mount your MagSafe you know, iPhone too. They got a car vent. I ordered one of those. It's preparing to ship now. They've got a cold shoe with MagSafe. They've got a normal tripod mount. They have a landscape only mount, and then they have this one. And this is what I bought. This is a pro tripod mount with MagSafe. And I will tell you, as soon as I got this thing, I mean, literally as soon as I got this thing, I went, oh, this is going to be nice. And as you unbox it, I'm going to try and stay on mic as I do this cuz the mic's not in the right spot. But it comes in a nice package. This is the first unboxing I've done on a camera. Comes with a little card that shows you, you know, how it's used. And this is the actual device. And it is really really well built. I mean, I am shocked how well built it is. Now this is the portrait mode where you screw it in here. And you've got a cold shoe here, but if you undo this knob, you can then rotate it so that you could mount the phone, any orientation that you want. And cool. I will tell you, this thing is, what, 60 bucks, And I have been extremely happy. I haven't used it yet. I'm using my old little, like... Uh, you know, accordion clip type that you got to pry apart and put the phone in one of those. That's why I got this, because I'm using my iPhone as this down camera right here. I mean, literally, this is my iPhone that you're looking at shooting this shot. And I wanted an easier way when something happens and I need to grab my phone to just grab it off the magnet and not. You know what happens? You end up hitting the lock buttons and taking screenshots and putting it to sleep instead of having your camera. So this was awesome. I had some issues with the order. So I pre-ordered this and I pre-ordered the Carvent as well. And my thought was they were supposed to come in March. And then I got an email that they were delayed end of March. Then I got an email. They were delayed till April, end of April, delayed till May, end of May, then delayed till June 14th. And I'm like, well, well we're not June 14th kick-
0: yet, Steve. So,
1: <clears throat> well, and that's the thing. I'm like, this wasn't Kickstarter. I mean, I understand if you go to Kickstarter, you're backing something that maybe is still in development. This was a pre-order of a product on a company webpage. My assumption was that you're ready to go. I'm pre-ordering it and you'll ship it when you get it. But okay, it gets delayed. So then I go look at their website. Well, the car vent was still on back order. This thing was available to ship the next day. Huh. And so I emailed them and I said, I don't understand. I'm an early backer. Right, I'm back in your product before you've got it available. Those are the pe- those are your evangelists, and I'd you know when are you going to ship this? Well, we can't ship them separately, and the car vent is still on back order, so you have to wait for this. In other words, they that- don't have a way in their database to mark that they did separate box
0: you know, as soon as possible shipments, which uh, I get. Yeah. You know what? But no, but you shouldn't get that because even the, like some of the most uh, commonly used systems like WooCommerce, which is what I use, um, it might be a plugin that you have to use yeah. um, in order to separate things. And the cost of that is what, like the most I've ever played for I I don't a care if you have a, a custom database. Uh, you but- could have
1: added a field to the database to make a note this item's been shipped. This one hasn't. Yeah. And they should have jumped on that. But okay, you didn't. Their response to me was, well, we can cancel the one item that is available out of your original order, but keep the other one so you don't lose your place in line for the car vent. And then you go order again on the website for the one that'll ship the next day. I'm like, okay, why,
0: cool. Why do you have to jump through these hoops? Well, and
1: here's here's where it got weird. So I went and I ordered this. Had it in two days. Emailed back because they sent an email. They responded to my email saying, yeah, just let us know if you want to do that and we'll do it. I emailed them. Nothing. I emailed the next day. Nothing. Over the next seven days, I emailed six times. No reply. I'm like, great. I'm going to end up with two of these darn things. So I went and keep in mind on their website, they have hello at shopmoment.com. It's the same email I'm emailing to. I go to the website, fill in the form, send a thing going I've sent six emails. This is number seven. You haven't replied. She answers back and says, we've removed the item. We'll refund it. And you can order, you know, you've already ordered the other one. We're good to go and didn't apologize or anything, which I thought was kind of weird. But within two minutes, the original $86 charge showed up again on my card. And is still three days later pending. Now I'm guessing that's going to disappear, but it was a little uncomfortable. So I emailed him saying, why'd you charge my card? The full invoice, original invoice amount. Again, I have never heard back on that. I tagged the CEO on Twitter to see what he would do, told the story and said, this is not the reputation your company
0: has still no answer that's well that's well and you're I'm I'm glad I'm giving you uh my soapbox for for this here because uh I've got some of their cases and lenses like uh, my my phone right now has a has a moment case on it uh and it's a nice case and I went totally hipster and I went for the wood grain because why wouldn't you do that um right but uh you know (laughs) and I've got their macro lens and I've uh, there's actually an image in my book that was taken with that but I've I haven't found any issues with them, but only because I never had a problem to solve. If I had a problem uh, that needed any type of human interaction, I might be in the same shoes as you by, by your description of how they handle those.
1: I'll stress, this is to me, the salad bar issue. It's not so much a complaint because I will tell you this product is built. This is solid. I yeah. love this and I am excited to get the car vent, which is now preparing for shipment. It apparently isn't going to be June 14th. I just got the email today. <laughs> it's more like a, a, in a in a restaurant, if the salad is brown and you tell the manager, it may not be a complaint, it's just like he can't he can't address it if he doesn't know. Yeah. And so my my understanding of moment, let's be clear, is they're a fantastic company. They make great products, is my understanding. My first interaction with the company was not pleasant, and I question if I will make another order with them simply because they didn't communicate.
0: And if they don't come back to you right now and uh, and express very apologetically uh, what happened, then I don't see why your opinion should change. I you it know, probably I, won't, I, which is sad because this thing is a tank, man. Yeah. I mean, this thing is this thing is nice. Yeah. It looks great actually. And it, I've got the, uh, the MagSafe, um, uh, the, the, the charger on the back of the phone that, uh, that I just kind of, plop it down on my nightstand and then I can pick it up in the morning and it's perfectly fine. It's, it actually doesn't work very well with the case on. And I want to see people design, uh, phone cases with the little hole insert that makes it a lot easier to just make that happen. And I don't think we're, well, at least we weren't there when I bought the the, the case. Maybe they exist now. Um, but maybe I won't buy one for a moment if they do. Well, because.
1: And this particular thing is available now. It ships the next day. Generally. Like, like right now it says order within the next 21 hours to ship tomorrow and it's 60 bucks. And I will tell you for 60 bucks, I I have taken it out and attached my phone to it, but I needed to use the old mount to be able to show it. But I will tell you, it is the strongest magnet I have ever felt on a MagSafe. It is super solidly built. I cannot wait to swap this into the position that my other mount is in right now. So I recommend this product. And I got it within 48 business hours when I ordered it the second time. But and again, this may sound weird, but it's my belief that the people who back your products early are the people who will evangelize your products. Well, and and to say to them you're going to wait until June for this, where Don could just stumble across the website, order it today, and have it in 48 hours, that's just not good business. It's not again not a
0: complaint so much as bad business. I have a lot of books I need to ship. Steve. And so I'm, I've, I've kind of entered this uh, bit of conundrum right now because I've got some retailers that, that want to stock it too. And it wouldn't take me much to ship like a couple of boxes of books to B&H uh, or to the camera store. And I will do that. Uh, but I'm not going to do that before everybody else gets their book. Right. Because I mean, I could easily do that day one, but then I don't want somebody going to B&H. And honestly, if you want to buy the book, I I don't want to say don't buy it from them because I want to get a nice relationship from them. But if you already have a relationship with me, buy it from me, because as soon as you put middlemen uh, in in the mix, your retailers, they take significant profits uh, off of things. I mean, they're in the business to make money.
1: People um, in the chat have said, I wonder if their their support is farmed out or understaffed. And and they clearly be. state they don't have a phone number because they're a small team. But therein also lied the rub, lies the rub. And that is when I saw another $86 charge. And I'm like, well, it was supposed to be a refund. Now, the refund has showed up. The $86 charge has been pending for three days. My guess is it will disappear. But Let's I can't so. call somebody. Yeah. And that was weird. Anyway, so that's it. Yeah. I recommend the product,
0: though. It's beautifully built. And and I was just saying, like, from my own uh, perspective, that the logistics of things, I'm going to be shipping uh, the the books, I think, to a lot of overseas backers uh, that all just were part of the Kickstarter campaign. I'm going to send out a whole wave of those, you know, to to Jane, if she's still uh, on the call here uh, in uh, New Zealand or wherever else, um, because it's just going to take a long time for them to get there. Um, And then I'm going to, as soon as that's done, I'm going to do a a hurrah, you know, sort of parade around my own town and surrounding areas and just drop off books on doorsteps because I can do that and make people happy. Um, And then the order in which they were received uh, at at that point. So uh, that's the plan. But uh, thank you for the pick, Steve. That was a a good pick. Um, I might have to get one of those, actually, because I'm in the same uh, scenario as you. You know, like I've got this one camera, but if I want to show something, I mean, I did the unboxing with the same camera. Um and I'm kinda glad I did because my desk is nowhere near as clean as yours. Um I actually I should show you the wide shot, but I
1: literally, that's just a piece of wood I bought and I stained and and uh <laughs> it
0: it works great under this there lighting. It
1: doesn't work too bad.
0: It could be a charcuterie plate for all for all I can tell uh based on the framing. Um but uh Steve, thank you very much for being on this episode of Photo Geek Week this pleasure. very special episode. Uh, and thank you to everybody that has listened, uh, those that have backed my book, those that are just fans of the podcast and are listening to yet another episode. Uh, we are at the end of this one. So Steve, uh, people can find you at, um, behind the shot. Uh, where, where do you want like right to the website or the YouTube channel? Where do you want people to go? Either one
1: behind the shot. TV is the website. The YouTube channel is youtube.com
0: slash behind the shot. And, uh, of course I'm at doncom.ca. Uh, for my portfolio and my links, uh, skycrystals.ca is where you can buy a copy of my new book if you haven't done so already. Uh, and photogeekweekly.com, obviously, for the show notes of this podcast. Thank you, everybody, for being here. Uh, this has been a wonderful episode, one of the longest running. We are nearly at an hour and a half. Sorry Thank about that. <laughs> it's all right. It's my fault. Uh, thanks for being here, everybody. It's now time to stay in and shoot i <laughs> you.